All right, so we're going to do things different this week. Normally, normally we'll, have, we'll have some time of worship uh, and, and, then, and then teach him. We're going to flip the order uh, tonight, and you'll see why in a little bit. Uh, we're going to flip the order. We're going to teach him first, and we're going to do worship second. We're going to do music second in response to that, in response to the word. Um, I'm going to pray. I know I already prayed for the offer. We're going to pray, too, about, about the word. Um, and we talked about this last week a little bit. Um, and what I like to pray before we jump into, into teaching the Bible is that God would make our hearts good soil to receive his word. Right? That, that our hearts would be good soil for the seed of God's word to implant in and grow in us. Amen. Uh, so let's pray that. Father God, um, and thank you again for the opportunity to hear your word. Um, and Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that, that you just communicate uh, what you want spoken, God, to each student. God, prepare our hearts to be good soil to receive what you're wanting to teach us, God. Um, and, and that we would learn, uh, learn from Scripture, learn from your word, that you would use it to shape and mold us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God, it would be an encouragement and a blessing uh, to each of us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, in the, in the theme of We Live Missions, we've been talking about missions all week uh, on the Calpha social media. It's been missions, missions, missions. If you've come to any of these sessions we've had throughout the week, and you've heard just awesome stories of what God's doing around the world uh, with missions. When we hear about missions, and sometimes it can seem a little glamorous, right? I mean, going to exotic places all over the world, uh, maybe eating exotic food, meeting exotic people, going to these I mean, locations that you've only ever seen on TV and in the movies and on postcards, right? Uh, that, that, that sometimes the life of a missionary, and someone that would and leave the, the context of here in the United States, here in Memphis, and go somewhere, or go somewhere in the world for Jesus, right, for the kingdom, that can seem a little bit glamorous, kind of like, man, like, so it'd be scary on one end, but also it'd be kind of cool, right, to get to go to these places. And when Katie, you know, on Wednesday was sharing about uh, Costa Rica, I mean, when she was sharing about uh, living there in Costa Rica, it sounded like paradise. It's like, man, I want to go, sign me up today, but like for a vacation, right, the, 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 the missions, the mission side of it, we know it's hard. But some of these places, it can seem kind of glamorous. We can kind of glamorize this idea of missions, right? These people, these people serving in these other contexts, maybe experiencing exotic things, going to glamorous places, um, and maybe living in paradise. Um, and, and sometimes we, we think about it that way, and we can, we can kind of overlook uh, the difficulty of missions. Missions is hard work, right? Uh, incredibly hard work. Um, you know, it's an uphill battle. You know, to, 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 to fight against culture, to and fight against the enemy, there's spiritual warfare that happens, there's, there's obstacles to overcome, uh, and, and it can be hard, it can be incredibly difficult to be, to be a missionary. It's rewarding, right? I mean, it's incredibly rewarding to obey God and obey what He's called you to do, but it can be difficult, there's, there's obstacles to overcome. Same as it can be difficult, man, to live missionally right here where you're at, right? So, so we've been going through a series in Chi Alpha, I mean, this semester just called Sent. And it's called sent because man, each and every one of us, as believers, are sent by God. We talked about the Great Commission, uh, Jesus' command where he sends us out right, to make disciples. That, that, that command was not just meant to, the, to the original apostles, but all believers that would come after them. That each of us uh, uh, get to be an ambassador for Christ. We talked about that last week, what it means to be Christ's ambassadors, representing Jesus to the people around us. But living missionally, it's not all glamorous, right? It's difficult. It's hard. Right? Sometimes there's rejection. I mean, sometimes you share Christ with a friend, and there's rejection. There's persecution. And so they don't want to hear that, right? Uh, and, and, and they reject that message. They treat you different, right? Um, and there, there, there's obstacles. There, there's spiritual warfare. There's difficulties to overcome. When you start following Jesus, 
uh, the, all the problems of life, they don't go away, do they? Right? And when you start following Jesus, you still live in a broken world, right? You still live in a broken world with broken systems that, that there, there's still stuff that is not how it should be. And until heaven, until the new heaven and new earth, when God makes all things new, life's going to be a struggle, right? Thankfully, when we're living for Jesus, man, we've got a peace, we've got a joy, we've got a love, we've got a nearness from God uh, that, that, that helps us to get through it. But life is still difficult, right? Life is still a struggle, particularly right now, right? <laughs> Probably in this season, more than any season of your life, you feel the weight of it. I mean, the weight of stress, the weight of anxiety, the pressure uh, of life. And, and would anyone agree, say, man, this has been a difficult season for me? I think almost all of us are saying, man, this is a difficult season. Uh, being a Christian helps. Man, knowing God helps. Having, having the love of God in my life helps. But it's still difficult. It's still difficult. The question I want to ask you that's going to transition us into what we're talking about tonight is, are you the type of person that can still praise God in the middle of that difficulty? Think about yourself. Are you the type of person that can still bring glory to God when you're in the tough season? When you're in the tough, when you're having a terrible day, can you still praise Jesus? Or when you're having a rough week, a rough month, a rough year, yeah, are, are you the type of person that your life is still bringing glory to God? You can still praise God in the middle of it, right? When I'm in the middle of it, I'm tempted to do anything but praise God, right? I'm tempted to grumble, to complain, to whine, to be quiet. I mean, what do I do? What do I do when I'm stressed and I'm wrong? I'm tempted to act out uh, anything but give glory to God, right? If I'm going to God, it's probably to tell God, hey, God, this is awful. This is terrible. Come and fix it, right? I may pray, uh, but am I praising God? Am I glorifying God in the midst of those difficult situations? So we've been studying the New Testament book of Acts together in our family groups, and now that we're back in person for large groups over the last couple of weeks, again, talking about what it means to be sent by God, to live as people that are sent. I mean, God has sent each and every one of you. I don't know if you realize that. Uh, that, that wherever you find yourself, whatever situation you find yourself in, you're not just there by accident. And you've been sent by God with a purpose and for a purpose. And realizing that we've been sent by God and helps us know how to act, how to behave in any situation, right? It helps us to know, you know what God wants for us in any situation because we know we're not just there by accident. We've been sent by God. Last week we talked about when we live as ambassadors for Christ, we can trust that the Lord's going to guide our lives. Right? Some of you guys right now are in a season where you say, I need guidance. I need direction. I need God to tell me what to do about this major decision. I need God to guide my steps in, the, in this area of my life. I need guidance. And we can trust that God's going to guide your steps. We looked at Paul and Silas on their missionary journey as God directed their steps in unique and unusual ways. I mean, if you missed the message last week, you can listen to it on the Kalfa, Kalfa podcast and catch up there. But you can trust that God is going to direct your life. God is going to guide you where he wants you to go. So last week we looked at how Paul and his missionary team was guided to the city of Philippi uh, where they met a wealthy businesswoman named Lydia. And to share the gospel of Lydia, the Lord opens her heart and Lydia becomes a follower of Jesus. Lydia was a crazy, crazy wealthy businesswoman. Crazy wealthy for that time period. We know she's wealthy because she had her own clothing company and she had a huge house that could house this whole missionary team. In that time in history, right, a woman owning her own company, a woman with a huge estate, a huge home, and she, she was big time wealthy. So this would be a, was a Kylie Jenner of, of 2,000 years ago, right? So, so she's got money, she's got a clothing company, she's got popularity, 
Well, Paul shares the gospel with her, and, it's, and the Bible says the Lord opens her heart to it, and she begins following Jesus. And she welcomes the missionaries into her home, and they're staying there while they're ministering there in Philippi. Um, so in the text we're looking at tonight, the Lord is going to continue to use this missionary team there in the city of Philippi in ancient Greece. But along with the victories of ministry, man, the victories, people coming to Christ, people getting healed, people getting delivered, along with the victories, there's also some pretty steep persecution. Man, there's difficulty, there's hard times. So, like the question I asked, will Paul and Silas be the kind of men who continue to praise God even when things get hard? Right? Will they praise God even when things get hard? I know, I know how I feel when things get hard. I want to complain, I want to grumble, I want to do anything but praise God. Um, but, but, but our Paul and Silas can be the kind of guys that praise God even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 16. So Acts 16, 16 is where we're going to start. Let's take a look at it. It says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes, and she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. So, so Paul goes from ministering to uh, this incredibly wealthy, successful lady in Lydia. I mean, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? This girl who's in slavery and who's being exploited, taken advantage of. This girl who's been possessed by uh, a demonic spirit. And it says this demonic spirit, uh, she, she would use it I mean, to, to tell people fortunes. Um, and not only that, uh, not, not of her own will, she was a slave. So her slave masters exploited her, took advantage of her, and used her to make money. Said, oh, you're possessed. Instead of you getting, that, getting you the help you need, we're going to take advantage of that. We're going to exploit you to make money. So this, this, is, this is the girl that they encountered. So opposite end of the spectrum from Lydia. Enslaved, exploited, and part of a dark and broken system. And that, that's when Paul and Silas encounter her. And they go to this place of prayer and this girl comes up and she, she's yelling stuff after him. What does she yell? She says uh, about these men, says these men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Well, I know so we're reading that uh, in modern times and say, well that's accurate. That's what they're doing. right? They're coming there on God's behalf telling people how to be saved. And it says that Paul was exasperated by it. You know, so she kept doing it. So they're, they're trying to go and minister. They're trying to go to talk to people. And they got this girl coming up behind her. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. Like, and it's starting to get on his nerves, right? He's starting to become uh, frustrated, annoyed, exact, you know, it says uh, it's starting to be exasperated by it. Um, and, and so to our modern, our modern ears, it can sound like she's saying the right thing. But I want you to kind of think about the cultural context. Uh, we're not we're not in the in the United States. We're not in a Christian culture. So she's proclaiming this uh, in ancient Greece. And so if I'm in ancient Greece, think about what you know about Greek mythology. If I'm in ancient Greece and someone's proclaiming this person's person's a servant of the Most High God, well, who's a who's the Most High God in Greek mythology culture? Yeah, be Zeus, right? So the local people are not hearing Yahweh God, the the, the Jewish God, the God God of the Bible. They're not hearing Jesus. They're hearing, these men are servants of Zeus. 
And it's getting on Paul's nerves. Like, could you stop? Could you just stop? Could you stop saying that? You're making it really difficult for us to share the gospel because people are thinking we're here representing Zeus and we're not. Not only that, I can tell it's not even you that's speaking this and you're being oppressed by an evil spirit. You're being possessed. Um, and let, let's cast that thing out of you so you can experience freedom from that. And so that's exactly what he does. I mean, he speaks, he turns to her uh, and, and speaks to the demon, commands the demon to leave in the name of Jesus. So this is the same thing that we saw Jesus do in the Gospels. As he'd encounter people possessed by an evil spirit, he, he would command it to leave. We saw the disciples, the apostles would follow and soon say, in the name of Jesus, and command unclean spirits to leave. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul's frustrated because even though she's saying, hey, these men are coming in the name of God, the hearers had a different idea of what God looked like, and that just confused the message. And the same thing happens today, and especially here in the South, especially here in the South, and we call the South the Bible Belt because there's a church like on every single street corner, right? And a lot of people have been at least exposed uh, to some kind of religion, to some kind of faith. Uh, so a lot of people you run into will say, yeah, I believe in God. Right? If you talk to someone about God, you ask them if they believe in God, you'll have a lot of people that will say, yeah, I believe in God. But what they mean by that may be radically different and then the God um, and that we understand has revealed himself through the Bible, through the person of Jesus. They may have their own idea of what that God is like, a God of their own imagination. Well, I think God's kind of like this. I saw a TV show one time that said God was like this. I kind of like that idea. I saw this, this music artist sang a song about God, and I thought it had some neat ideas. And what they mean by God is a totally different idea of what you mean by God when you're sharing about the hope you found in Jesus. So we have the same confusion today. We've got to parse through those same kind of confused ideas today when we're sharing the gospel with people. So notice that also here that Paul, before he addresses the girl, uh, before he even talks to her, before he shares about Jesus to her, he first addresses the demon that's working within her. So there's two dark systems at work within this girl's life um, that have to be addressed before she can be in a place to receive the good news of Jesus. I mean, the first dark system is, of course, the spiritual darkness, right? Possessed by a demon, a demon's working through her. Paul says, man, I've got to deal with that before you're even going to be able to receive Jesus, right? So she's part of that dark system. Paul addresses that. He commands it to leave. And there's another dark system the girl is caught up in as well. Luke tells us she's a slave. She's a slave. Uh, I mean, she is owned by other people. She is part of a dark system of slavery, right? These men are taking advantage of her, exploiting her for money, right? And, and in, in that bondage of that dark system, I mean, she's not in a place where she could, could just start following Jesus, right? Her, her choices are not her own. She's part uh, of the slavery system, the, the system of bondage. Um, she's being exploited. She's being taken advantage of. Uh, so Paul proclaiming the gospel of God's kingdom in the dark world is, is going to involve addressing these evil systems, right? And so when we think about Jesus uh, and, and we read the gospels and Jesus' own ministry, uh, when Jesus starts his ministry, man, he goes into a synagogue and he reads a scroll uh, from the book of Isaiah, who, who, talking about the Messiah. And he says, man, I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor. I've come to break bondages, to loose, uh, loosen chains, to set people free. Um, and part of Jesus' ministry uh, is not just our spiritual salvation, even though that's a big part of it. It's to break bondages and oppression off of our life, too, to bring good news to poor people. Uh, to find man, when there's broken systems in the world, as the kingdom of God advances, it should be undoing those broken systems, right? And slavery is definitely one of those broken, exploitive systems that takes advantage of people, right? And so part of the good news of the gospel and the kingdom advancing should be to man, destroy these systems of slavery. 
Right? So Paul, that's one of those things that Paul has to has to address before uh, he can win her heart. Um, often these systems of bondage have to be addressed before a person can even begin to respond to the gospel and follow Jesus. I mean, what are some of the systems that exploit and take advantage of people in the world today? I and mean, when we think about we think about in 2021 in Memphis, Tennessee, I mean, some of the, the, the systems that we come across. Um, you know, when we think about when we think about slavery, uh, slavery may look a little different today. But man, are there still people? Uh, that, that are trafficked, that are taken advantage of, that are exploited for money? Um, and are there still men, men, women and, and men as well men caught up in these systems uh, where their decisions are not their own? There are. And we know there are. And we know that there's people that are, that are trafficked. There's people in, in, in sex slavery and bondage to these different institutions. Um, that, that God, just as much as God wants their soul, wants to save them spiritually, then He wants to see them free of those broken systems. Amen? And as Christians, I mean, part of our Part of our role in this world is not only to proclaim spiritual freedom in Jesus, uh, but to undo these broken systems, to proclaim liberty to those that are, that are poor and bound in those things. And so that should be very much part of when we think about, I mean, what does God want to do in my city? Um, yeah, God wants to save our souls, right? Also, God wants to, uh, man, man, where there is injustice and oppression and bondage and people being taken advantage of, I mean, God wants to see that undone as well and people set free, amen? So that's a big part of it. Um, and where people are taken advantage of, uh, and we want to see them set free so that they can freely follow Jesus, right? So they're not still uh, living that life in bondage. Um, and we, you know, the spiritual bondage that she was in, being possessed by this demon, that's something that had to be addressed as well before she could even begin to follow Jesus. And there's things that your, I mean, your friends, the, the, people, the people in your life, family members may be experiencing that would keep them from being able to freely respond to Jesus. Maybe it's a spiritual attack, a, a, a demonic attack like this one. Sometimes it's things like an addiction, right? If you've ever tried to share the gospel or share, man, have, have a, any kind of serious conversation with a friend or a family member who's drunk or who's high, and you can't talk about anything serious when they're in that frame of mind, right? They need to be free of that, or at least sober, before you can, before you can have those kind of conversations, right? And so, this is what Paul's dealing with. He's like, I've got to cut through this to get to this, get this girl to a place of mental clarity where she can even, even respond to the gospel and understand about Jesus. But something for us to think about. Something for us to think about this week is like, okay, God, what are the broken systems around me that you would want to use me to proclaim freedom to or to work towards uh, and seeing people free from? Um, Jackie and I know a lady who go to church with a lady uh, who, who I mean, works here, here in Memphis. Uh, to, to help, help, help young girls get out of uh, the sex trafficking industry. Um, and girls that, that, are, that are bonded, exploited, and prostitution, all these kind of things. I mean, she, she has a ministry that helps to rescue those girls and get them out of those situations and into a better life. Um, and there are these programs, or these programs you can volunteer with. You can be a part of the good things that God's doing to break those broken systems. And again, something to think about that, that God may want to use you in. Let's continue on to verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were shattered, right? So, so she's been set free. Uh, the demon's been cast out. It was the demon that was, that was doing these predictions. Uh, and and now, now that she's free from that, the, the master's hopes of wealth were shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Verse 20, the whole city was in an uproar. Uh, it says, because of the Jews, they shouted in the, uh, to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal. For us Romans to practice. Uh, so, so they've come and they're complaining. Um, and the whole city's in an uproar. They're blaming these men. It says they're teaching us customs that are illegal for the Romans to practice. Were they doing that? No. 
No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't telling them to do anything that was illegal to the Roman law. They were just mad because they lost money, right? It hit them in the wallet. It hit them in the pocketbook, and they were mad about it. And they want to make them pay for that. Um, verse 22. It says the mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. That's rough, right? Stripped of your clothes, beaten with wooden rods. Verse 23. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown in prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Verse 24, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And you guys have seen stocks before, you know, put your hands and feet in the, these kind of wooden stocks, or maybe metal stocks where you can't move. Uh, the stocks in this time, uh, they would be in the, these prison cells, were mostly stocks for their legs, where their legs would be spread way apart and clamped down. They couldn't go anywhere. They're stuck on the ground, clamped to the ground. When you picture a prison, in ancient times, there, there would be nothing nice about this prison, nothing clean about this prison. It's under the jailer's house. So this is like, more, think more dungeon than, than modern, modern prison. Uh, not that prisons now are nice either, they're terrible. But this, this, this would be like a dungeon carved out under someone's house with cells. And so they're in stocks, underground. Uh, it's dark. I mean, any light's going to come from candles and torches. And so they're down there in the filth, in the muck, locked up after having their clothes stripped off, after being beaten severely with wooden rods. Is it fun to be a missionary on that day? No. Is it glamorous to be a missionary on that day? No. Right? They've been beaten. And they're, they're, they're there in a state of undress, uh, beaten and bloody and locked up in this dark, dank dungeon in the farthest, bottomest uh, room of it, in their own filth, in their own junk. Uh, the, this jailer uh, that, that, that's put them there, probably an ex- an ex-military guy, a former Roman soldier who is now taking this position um, of housing criminals under his house in this jail. Um, this is the situation they're in. If you, if you were to put yourself in this situation, right, that, that you, man, you're trying to follow God, obey God, proclaim Jesus, and you saw a girl who was being exploited, taken advantage of, and he said, that's not right. I'm going to do something about it and set this girl free. And then you get arrested. And then you get beat up for it. And you get thrown in prison for it. You get thrown under the prison. Right? And you're locked up. How's your heart right now? How's your attitude right now? Mine would be bad. Right? I'd be complaining. I, if I was Silas, I'd be like, Paul, man, you really got us into it now. I shouldn't have followed you, man. You got us into some mess. Our attitude would probably be bad. Let's see what they did. Let's see what they did. Around midnight, this is verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That would not be me, I don't think, right? They're praying and singing hymns to God. They're there in terrible conditions, and they're praying to God, and not just complaining, not just like, God, you got to get me out of here. There might have been some of that in there. Then Luke also tells us they were singing to God, singing hymns. They were worshiping God in the middle of this terrible situation. They said, man, even in this, God, you're worthy. I'm going to praise you. Even in this, God, God, you're good. Even though I've been beaten up, I've been stripped, I'm clamped in these shackles and these stocks, I'm in this dungeon. God, you're still good. I'm still going to praise you. Um, that's absolutely remarkable to me. And that would be their heart. That would be their attitude. Man, God, I love you so much. Even in the midst of the, man, probably one, maybe one of the toughest days of my life, I'm still going to praise you. You're still worthy. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Can you imagine it would be like in the cell next to Paul and Silas? Like, oh, these guys have really lost it, right? They got beat so much. Like, they're out of their mind. They're singing. They're, they're singing songs? What is happening? 
Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And God hears and God responds. There's a supernatural earthquake, uh, earthquake that opens the doors of all the prisons and causes all the chains to fall off people's wrists and ankles. Um, and Paul and Silas are able to bring glory to God even in the most difficult situations. Even in the dark of midnight, when they've had I mean, this awful circumstance happen to them, they're still able to praise God. And God responds in power and brings freedom and brings deliverance. Right? Our praise, our worship is powerful. Powerful. Right? The, when we take time to praise God, to worship God, there is supernatural power in your praise. Supernatural power. It's not just singing songs to God. It's not just let me make a pretty melody with my voice. There is supernatural power when you change your attitude and say, okay, instead of focusing on how awful this situation is, God, I'm going to focus on you and your goodness, and I'm going to praise you for it. Man, there is supernatural power in that. Right? For them, it was literal. I mean, a literal earthquake comes uh, and breaks the bondages that are on them. Now, let's continue. Verse 27, the jailer woke up, and that earthquake would wake me up too, and he saw all the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners escaped. I mean, what did you, right? Your, your, your chains fall off, your door open, like, I'm just going to stick around and see what happens. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew a sword to kill himself, right? It was his responsibility to keep these men in prison. It would be his head, right, if they got away. If he assumes they got away, why would they stay? So he's ready to commit suicide out of honor. I mean, I, I don't want to... I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to kill myself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all still here. We're all still here. Again, they're, they're under the house, in the dark dungeon. Maybe the earthquake, the torches fell over, the candles went out. It's dark. You can't even see. So no, no, we're all, we're all still here, man. We're all still here. Please don't kill yourself. Please don't kill yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. This is one of my favorite verses, verse 30. Then he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer witnessed something supernatural here. Like, I've never seen anything like this. So there's, there's this earthquake that just happens to set all the prisoners in my prison free. Wait, but y'all didn't run away? Like, there's something different about you guys. Right? There's something different about you guys. Uh, in a world where everyone's selfish and self-centered and just thinking about what's best for them, you hung around? Why? What, what's going on? Tell me, I need that. Whatever you have, I need that. Man, same, same as with Lydia. Lydia had, had success, right? She had fame, she had money, but she was missing something. And so when Paul shared about Jesus, she says, man, I've found every kind of success you can have in this life, but I know I'm missing something. I'm missing that. I need the Lord, and how do I be saved? Right? The, the slave girl that was caught up in bondage uh, and is being exploited, taking advantage of, saying, man, I, I need that. I need, need what you have. This jailer... Uh, says, sirs, man, what do I need to do to be saved? Now, I live my whole life maybe in service to Rome, uh, in service of honor, maybe taking care of my family, uh, been, been working this job as a, as a jailer, but my life is still missing something, and I believe you've got it. Sirs, what do I need to do? And I, I believe that whatever God you've been singing to, worshiping, must be the real God because he set you free. I need it. Whatever you have, I need it. What must I do to be saved? Sometimes I think it would be so helpful. If, like, the people in our life, man, would come up to us and just drop to their knees and say, uh, I hope, what do I need to do to be saved? Now, Bryce, Leland, what do I need to do to be saved? And, oh, okay, let me tell you. It's easy, right? You need to put your trust in Jesus, man. You need to start obeying Jesus, follow Jesus. 
Um, but, but if we can live in such a way that God is getting glory in our life, even in the toughest situations, you will have people ask you that. Maybe not these exact words, but it might sound something like this. It might sound something like, Man, Arthur, man, I've been looking at your life. Man, I know you've had a tough season. Man, you've had some medical issues. Man, you maybe had some financial issues. You may have this or that. But even though you've been through all that, man, I still see hope in you. I still see a joy in you. I still see a peace in you. How in the world are you able to have peace and hope in the middle of this? Whatever you have, I want it. Tell me about that. Man, that's a what must I do to be saved if I've ever heard one. Because you can share, man, let me tell you about the hope I have in Jesus. Let me tell you how I can still have a smile on his face. Even though I've had the same 20, 2021 that you have, uh, I've got the same stress and anxiety. I've got the same classes and tests and midterms and projects. I've got the same financial weight bearing down on me that you do, but I have hope in it because of Jesus, right? And so when we live our lives where even in the toughest situations, we're still praising God, we're still bringing glory to God, the people in your life are going to notice that. Your friends, your family members are going to see there is something different about you. And whatever you have, I want it. I want it. I have to have it. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <clears throat> Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. Verse 33, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. He washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in the Lord. So Paul and Silas tell him, hey, just put your trust in Jesus, and you, and not just you, but your whole household can be saved. And they preach to the household, the household gets saved, the household gets baptized. That, that very night, they all enjoy a meal together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and God has worked a miracle here. God's worked a miracle here and saved this family because... Paul and Silas said, hey, in the midst of this tough situation, we're going to praise God, we're going to give glory to God, instead of just being focused on how miserable we feel, and being like, God, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Oh, this is terrible. Um, if we live lives that will bring glory to God, even in the toughest situations, if we're able to praise God at midnight when things are so dark and so bleak, then God's going to use that, because there's power in your praise, supernatural power in your praise, and God's going to use it to see other people in your life come to know Him and see their lives transformed for the glory of God. There's supernatural power in our praise. And because of this, because your praise is powerful, the enemy's going to do everything that he can to shut you up. He doesn't want you praising God. He's going to throw every obstacle in your way, every hindrance, every frustration, anything you can do to shut you up and keep you from praising God. The question is, are you going to let him? Are you going to let him? Are you going to let the devil shut you up? Are you going to let him keep you from praising God? Will you let him get you so beat down and discouraged that what comes out of you is, why me? Why me? Oh, this is terrible. Complaining, grumbling. Are you going to let him get you that down? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to still praise God because he's worthy. I'm going to still praise Jesus because he's good. Even when things are hard, God's worthy, right? Even on my worst possible day, does God stop being good? No. No. Man, the day is hard. Man, the season is tough. Uh, he, he would say, bring it to me. Man, come and talk to me about it. Let me give you peace in the midst of it, right? Let me see you through it. And bring it to me in prayer so that I can work in those situations. Put it in my hands so I can work on it. Jack and I have kids, and sometimes the kids will be messing with uh, 
a puzzle or a toy or something, something's broken, oh, I can't get it to work. It's okay, bring it to me. Put it in my hands. I can, I can do it. No, no, they don't want to do that. Or they want to figure it out on their own. But it's like, man, if you just take two seconds, put it in my hands, man, I can figure this out, right? That's what, that's what God, I mean, he loves us like a father. He says, bring it to me. Put it in my hands. Uh, instead of us being just focused on how frustrated we are, instead of being like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Um, and he, he wants us instead to praise him, to worship him, and to talk about how good he is. God is still worthy, man, no matter how difficult our situation may be. Um, man, man, God is still good. Even on our toughest days, man, God still, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Right? He still has taken in all of our guilt, all of our shame, and the consequences of our sin upon himself so we can be free from all of that. So we can have an eternal hope in heaven when this life is over. We can have peace with God uh, in the midst of these difficult situations. And the tough stuff we're going through, it won't last forever, right? And the Bible says, compared to an eternity in God's presence, man, our struggles here in this life, this whole breadth of our life, 80, 90, 100 years of it, is going to be like a vapor. It's going to be like when you, man, a couple weeks ago when it got snow, and you step outside and you breathe, and you can see your breath for a second, and then it's gone. God says your whole life is going to be like that, compared to an eternity in heaven, an eternity in God's presence. So all the difficulties we face, don't get me wrong, they're hard now, right? They're difficult now, but they're not even going to compare into the glory of being with Jesus forever. He says, man, man, trust me, I'm going to see you through this. I'm going to work it out. Uh, and, and even in the midst of it, man, God is good because of what, he, what he's done for us in Jesus. God is good because, because he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And Jesus didn't stay dead. He, he rose from the dead, proving to everyone that he was the son of God. He ascended to heaven with the promise that one day he's coming back to us, for, for us. And, and so no matter what we're going through, man, we can praise God because he's good. Praise God because he's worthy. Uh, and there's supernatural power when you pray that invites God into the situation. God is looking for people who are going to praise Him. God is looking for people that are going to praise and worship Him. When Jesus encounters a woman, a uh, Samaritan woman at a well, in John chapter 4, He has this conversation with her. Uh, it says that the God, the Father, is looking for people that are going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for those people. And, and, and is, is, when He's looking for people, I mean, he's, he's scanning the University of Memphis. Where are the people that are going to worship me? in spirit and in truth, right? I want to be that kind of person that's going to worship God no matter what, that my life's going to bring glory to God no matter what. So instead of asking, why is this happening to me? Instead of saying, uh, God, why'd you let this happen? Man, why am I going through this? Man, we're in a broken world, so bad stuff's going to happen to us. It won't always be this way, uh, but, but man, in, in this season, we're in the midst of it. Man, there's going to be tough days. There's going to be tough weeks. There's going to be 2020s. There's going to be 2021s. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Uh, say, God, how do you want to get glory out of this? God, how are you wanting to get glory out of this situation? Right? Well, how are you wanting to use me in the midst of this to bring glory to you because you're worthy? How can I still praise you in the midst of this because you're worthy? Uh, and, 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 and bring it to God that way. Say, God, I want to bring you glory in this situation. Would you help me to have the right kind of attitude so when people look at my life, they see that, hey, there's something different about you, uh, that, that your life is bringing glory to God. Would you help me to praise God even when I feel like doing the opposite and not let the enemy shut me up, because God, you're worthy. God, you're good. God, you're worthy. And we talk about we are sent people. We are people that are sent by God with a purpose. And so sent people are going to bring glory to God no matter the circumstances. So when you're in the middle of a hard moment, a hard week, a hard year, I mean, don't let the enemy keep you silent about how good God is, because God's still good in the midst of it. Are we going to praise Him in the midst of it? Are we going to praise Him even at midnight because He's worthy? Um, and I think a perfect way for us to respond to a message like this is just to spend some time praising God. Just to celebrate how good God is. 
uh, the, the, the musicians could come on up. And if you guys would stand with me, um, I want to pray just that God would help us to, to, to live in such a way that our lives would bring Him glory. That even in tough situations, even when we're going through mess, uh, that our lives would still bring glory and honor to Jesus. Amen? Father God, uh, thank you for your word, and thank you for the example of Paul and Silas here. Um, and God, I know, God, that here in this room, and there's people that are in the middle of some just absolutely rough situations. Um, some situations that are just awful, man. Situations maybe in their families, in their friend group, situations with their health or with their finances, God. When they've been through stuff, maybe they're being abused, taken advantage of, exploited, God. They're part of these, uh, and these broken systems of this world are affecting them, Father God. And, and the weight of it is upon them. God, maybe they're being weighed down with stress and anxiety, with fear, with depression, Father God. And they're in the middle of maybe one of the toughest seasons of their life. But God, in the midst of it, in the middle of it, God, would you help us to still praise you? Would you help us to still bring you glory? Because you're worthy. Because you're good. And trust that there is a supernatural power in our praise. When we refuse to be silent about you, God, when we refuse to let the devil shut us up and say, no, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to bless the name of the Lord even still. We trust that there's power in that, supernatural power to invite you in the situation to come with. God, as we transition now just to a, time, to a time of praise and worship, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to meet us here. Meet us here with your presence, God. Come inhabit the praises of your people. Come and meet us here, God. We want an encounter with you. God, you're good. God, you're worthy. And you alone are worthy, God. Nothing else in this world is worth giving our life to, God. Nothing else in this world is worth pursuing. Only you, God, can truly save our souls. Only you can repair our broken lives and restore us to God. And only you are worthy of our worship and honor and praise, God. I pray that you would have it from us tonight in these next few moments as we worship you.